When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like, um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Morena, New Zealand, good morning to you all. It's 9.03 here on SENZ. Annie Smith with you until 12 o'clock midday uh, when Mark Stafford takes over to take you through the afternoon. Pretty busy three hours as well. We've got a New Zealand superstar uh, straight after... Uh, the sermon, Courtney Duncan will be with us from uh, the other side of the world doing great things. Uh, Ross Filippo uh, on rugby, Warren Lees on cricket. We've got a panel uh, with Andrew Gordy and Jordan Oppert, Greg Murphy on motor racing and really looking to afford to speaking to Paddy Gower uh, at 11.43. A knacky boy, or is he? Is he a knacky boy? We shall find out. Uh, one of New Zealand's, uh, I think, most prominent political broadcasters. He'll be fun. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, news filtered through yesterday of the passing of one of New Zealand cricket's most famous identities. Never bowled, battered or fielded in anger for this country, but he stood proud in the middle on many important occasions. Fred Goodall loved his job in the white coat. His jet black hair immaculately groomed, his military-like stride to the middle at the start of play. He was a proud New Zealand umpire. Unfortunately, many in opposition regarded Fred as an umpire for New Zealand, and occasionally he suffered for it. His treatment physically and mentally by Clive Lloyd's 1980 West Indies team is written into folklore. Assaulted, yes, assaulted by Colin Croft, insulted, abused and ignored by the group as a whole, led by their so-called inspirational leader, honestly, their behaviour today would have resulted into one life ban several lengthy bans and thousands upon thousands in match fees being forfeited. Sure, Fred Goodall made mistakes, but back there, there was no reviews, no challenges, no process where the umpire was protected and you could get the absolutely right occasion and the right decision come to the fore. Sadly, and even more sadly, there was no protection, it seems, to the men in the middle. Fred Goodall loved standing out there on the big occasion. He added to it, in fact, but always with the integrity of the rules of the game front and centre. There's absolutely no truth to the rumour that certain New Zealand bowlers preferred to bowl at Fred's end, regardless of the wind direction. There's one great photo, actually, on Stuff yesterday of Fred in a very, very abrupt, staunch-type manner, giving Alan Border out LBW to give the, the great Sir Richard Hadley his 300th test wicket. It was a swift verdict. So swift that over a beer later, the equally great Australian remarked he'd swear, he'd swear that he was given out before the ball even hit his pad. That was Fred, and that was out. 
When he started, he was New Zealand's youngest test umpire. When he finished, it was 23 years later. These days, he'd have made a handsome living. Back then, he took time off from work and he did it for diddly squat. Post-retirement, Fred threw the javelin at the Masters Games, but would always sit in a special seat in the long room at the basin, as close as he could get to the line of the pitch. That was his happy place. He was there nice and early. He won't be there next season. Fred was 83. He will be remembered and should be toasted by all New Zealand cricket lovers. I doubt very much whether they'll be doing it though in the Caribbean. Well, Kiwi motocross star Courtney Duncan is within touching distance of a third consecutive world championship title. She dominated in Spain at the weekend and heads into the last event in Italy with a solid 16-point lead. And uh, thankfully, she's joining us now live from Europe. Uh, good evening, uh, Europe time to you, Courtney. Thanks very much for joining us. Hey, no worries. Hey, look, last time we talked to you, um, you know, it was about a month and a half ago, and uh, you were hoping to get to this point where you had a healthy lead. You must be, you must be very pleased with the way it's gone in the last uh, month. Yeah, not too bad. I think um, there's plenty of positives. There's been obviously a few ups and downs along the way, but for the most part, I'm I'm pretty happy with how it's gone. And um, yeah, I got I think 16 points heading into the final, which is a wee bit, but at the same time, it's sport, and you know anything can happen, and I'm aware of that. So. Um, yeah, one more round to go. Look, one of the things that sets you apart from the rest of the field and the reason you've got that 16-point lead is your consistency. Like You haven't finished worse than second in your last six races. What do you put that down to? Yeah, obviously, yeah, like you say, consistency and just um, putting myself in good positions and executing, I guess, when it counts and... Um, yeah, just taking a couple of seconds when um, haven't rode to you know over my head or anything like that. So yeah, pretty happy with the consistency over the last few rounds for sure. So so I mean, could you could you just take us through just very briefly your pre-race? I mean, your immediate pre-race routine mentally. What what are you thinking uh, like a minute out from uh, the start? I mean, it gets uh, you in such great positions. Yeah, nah, um, I don't know. I feel like um, I just kind of zone in pretty well and um, obviously aware of what's on the line and this and that. So um, it's, it's kind of hard to explain, but, yeah, when I get to the race, I'm, um, yeah, ready to go. Uh, there was plenty of drama in race one last weekend in Spain. Uh, you and uh, one of your great rivals, Chiara Fontanese, collided. Talk us about that. Talk us through. Yeah, obviously, yeah. Um, how do you kind of explain that? I, I guess at the end of the day, it's racing, isn't it? It's, um, it's a contact sport and there's going to be um, handlebars rubbing and, you know, a bit of elbows and, and this and that. But from my side, I had the um, momentum coming down the rollers and I had the inside line. So from, from her side, she probably should have been a wee bit smarter and buttoned off because, you know, inside always rules, but she didn't and... It drove her wide and um, pushed her right off the track. So, um, yeah, that is it is what it is. 
I mean, do you, I suppose it's a bit of yelling and, and screaming at the time. What about after the race? Is, is, is there anything after the race? Uh, yeah, there, there's not a whole lot of love lost between the two of us, put it that way. Um, not from my side, obviously. I have you know a fair bit of respect from her, but nah, there was um, no chat after the race. You flipped uh, over the handlebars. I, I saw this one. You flipped over the handlebars uh, during uh, the next race, but still managed to finish second. What happened there? Yeah, that was just a rookie rookie mistake. To be fair, it, it was um, yeah not on the script. Let's put it that way. But uh, yeah, I guess you live and you learn, and we won't do that one again. Just went to pull the tear off, and um, on probably the wrong part of the circuit. Really, wasn't the most smartest place to go pulling a tear off and taking your hand off the handlebar but like I say we won't do that one again I would imagine Courtney there are riders within the group who have a reputation for really loving the physical side of it the tough side of it in other words to be avoided at all costs what what about you do you enjoy the physical side of it or it just it just comes with the territory yeah it's just part of the sport to be fair I mean it's I've kind of grown up in it, so for me, it just comes naturally. I don't think too much of it, and uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it happens. I mean, look at our start, for instance. We got forty on the line, and we're all gunning to the first turn. So that in itself kind of explains that. Courtney, uh, this is amazing. Uh, what would it mean to you uh, to secure three consecutive world championship titles? Yeah, obviously, um, I haven't really thought too much about it because uh, i still got it around to go and, and don't want to take my eye off the ball. But if it was to happen, yeah, for sure it would be uh, a pretty special feat, especially, you know, three consecutive. It, it's hard enough to win one, let alone to continue to stay there. So um would be pretty cool, but hey, we've got a long way to go yet. As you can see, anything can happen. The championship can change very quickly. So um, to be fair with you, there's not much thought on it at the moment. Okay, so you're off to Italy for the final event of the year in just under a fortnight, and that is Fontanese's backyard, of course. So uh, what are you expecting there? I mean, uh, she was previously the six-time world champion. So I can understand why she uh, she's not that fast on you taking over the, uh, the, in a dominant fashion the way that you are. So that you'll get a nice reception in Italy, will you? Probably not. <laughs> nah, <laughs> probably not. I, I have had quite a lot of actually hate messages and um, that sort of thing from all of her fans in Italy at the moment. Um, so <laughs> I can't imagine I'll get the most nicest welcome there. But um, if that's the way people want to treat it, then... Um, from my side, it's, I just use that as an extra motivation. Are you serious? They actually, they're actually, what, is this social media sort of stuff or direct to yeah. you? Or, I mean, yeah. that's, that's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, it's sport, though. It happens all the time. And yeah. Man, Man. Uh, you're one tough, tough cookie to be able to take that. I, can, I promise you that. Um, look, uh, okay, so let's look at that, uh, that track coming up. Uh, in Italy, uh, how does it compare? Uh, what are you expecting from it? Uh, yeah, it, it's pretty good. Obviously, it's been on the calendar every year, I think, since I've been in the competition, so it's pretty familiar. But with that being said, it's familiar for everyone. It's a local track. I mean, it's open all year round. I think it's only closed the week leading up to the GP. So 
Um, yeah, that being said, everyone's used to it. Uh, it's in the Alps in northern Italy, so it's in a yeah beautiful part of the part of the world. So we're looking forward to heading back. Well, it hasn't been an easy time for any sporting people around the world with uh, with COVID. So it's presented a lot lot more challenges. So I, I guess it would uh, winning this time around would make it even more rewarding because it hasn't been easy for you. Yeah, no, I think um, obviously it's a lot better than it was last year, though COVID was pretty bad last year. Um, pretty much everything was closed and this and that. With it now, is, to be fair, everything is relatively normal on this side of the world. Obviously, there's heaps of cases and heaps of people in hospital and stuff like that, but from, like, life is still going on, you know, no one's wrapping themselves up in cotton wool, everyone's back at work, life's going on, so you actually kind of forget about it from that side I think the only thing on there is that playing on my mind would be probably the MIQ situation other than that I mean everything's pretty normal so you still haven't been able to to get a spot I mean last time we spoke to you you were trying like a lot of New Zealand athletes overseas and sporting people aren't you have you been successful uh no no not yet um but yeah at the same time like I think there's another spot this week. My mum might go on and do it for me, but, yeah, it's not on my mind right now. Um, I've got a big, big weekend ahead. Oh, well, it's, uh, that's not good news. Uh, I've, I've won like a lot of New Zealand people think uh, if you're a world champion representing us overseas, uh, there should be a spot with your name firmly above it. So, hey, look, uh, all the best uh, for what's coming up in a fortnight. We'll be watching with... Uh, increasingly been watching your the way you've been going about things and very proud for you so uh let's hope it all goes well and that uh, 16 point lead that you've got is enough to get you through to the three in a row thank you courtney and all the very best awesome mate i appreciate it thank you good it's courtney duncan three time shortly to be hopefully three time world champion motocross rider absolutely fantastic but can't get home cannot get home i mean it's I'm like a bit of a broken record on this subject, but I just I just don't understand why there is not some sort of uh, ability or facility or something uh, to get these high-profile people who are doing great things for us, flying our flag over there around all countries in Europe as a world champion. Can't get home. Cannot get home. Just wrong. It's simply wrong. And maybe that's a subject. I know we've, uh, we've approached it in the past, but double eight, double three. Uh, as our text number, uh, should should people like Courtney Duncan have have an exception? Um, you know, it's just getting worse and worse. It seems not better. I, I've spoken to Mike Hessen, uh, former New Zealand cricket coach, taking us to World Cup finals. Can't get home. Cannot get home. Okay, playing his trade in the IPL. New Zealanders are playing in the IPL. It's high profile. It's shown on TV. He's a New Zealander. He can't get home. I'm only talking about it from a sporting point of view, but that's what we're into on this station. Double eight double three is our text number. Now, what can we do about this situation? Have you got any suggestions? Is it right? Is it wrong? Should we have to be vaccinated to play sport? Should we have to be vaccinated to coach sport? 917 here on SENZ. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. A couple of texts uh, have come in. Hi, Smithy. What a great... Uh, Call and uh, well-spoken young woman she is, uh, Courtney, and she certainly is. Uh, she says uh, how it is, uh, really, and um, you know she's just putting up with it and getting on with it and getting on with it with the uh, most emphatic fashion. 
Smithy, uh, don't blame the system that protects us. Blame those ignorance. Uh, means we have to have these systems. Sports people take their chances. Small businesses no chance to make a living. Tony uh, from Remand Black, it says. So uh, I would imagine there. Yeah, you're right. Uh, another person has come in and said, Smithy, I listen to SENZ to avoid COVID discussion that every other outlet covers 24-7. Yeah, well, I, I guess you're right. Um, and uh, thanks for listening. But it is, um, if you look at the sporting stories uh, around the country and you, you look at uh, particularly those ones um, uh, in prominence, it is. I mean, the discussion point is COVID. You, you talk about rugby teams not being able to have a, a competition in Auckland, not being able to play, and that's been nailed down now that they will not have any sort of competition because of the latest announcement. Uh, the ones that are lucky to, enough to play, this particularly ones in the top of the North Island or around that, have to relocate every second day. They absolutely have to relocate. I know that's part of COVID, but it's it's also a very integral part of sport. So uh, whilst I'm sorry that uh, you feel that we, we're doing it, uh, we're talking about COVID, and we can't ignore it, and we can't ignore it because it uh, simply is uh, affecting sport at the highest level, not just those people coming home, but those people trying to play in New Zealand. Look at Cup Week, for instance, in Christchurch. No fans, no fans for the first time. Uh, Smithy, uh, I'm on the same page as you uh, with sportsmen or women getting an MIQ sport as long as they have been double vaccinated. Um, absolutely, they should be allowed uh, priority MIQ spots. This is their job. If they don't do it, they don't get paid. So we need to encourage them to get over, uh, get overseas and then get home easily. We've got these idiots giving COVID by the flaunting the rules and they take up MIQ spots. Even if it means quarantining at home, surely there is a much better way of getting our sporting stars home. Surely that's uh, fresh from Dunedin. Uh, Smithy, sorry Smithy, 100% disagree. Would rather grandparents who haven't met their new family members or those who need to come home to see or worse farewell a dying loved one get preference over sports people. Uh, there are 40,000 New Zealanders trying to get home every ballot. That being said, anyone who's double jabbed and can provide a negative test should be able to isolate at home. Thanks very much Damon. Uh, appreciate all your thoughts on that and of course uh, you can uh, become eligible for a temper pillow worth 299 bucks by being the text of the week or if your text of the month, which will come from the show, $10,000 worth of uh, temper products, including a queen mattress, a queen adjustable bed base, and two temper pillows. So, hey, thanks. I, I know that um, every time you, uh, you open your mouth on this job, that uh, you upset somebody along the way, and I appreciate that. And thanks very much for getting in contact. We try not to overdo it, uh, but it is. It is seriously a factor. Um, yeah, John, I, I'm not quite sure uh, what else to say on that matter, so we'll, we'll probably um, move well, along. Yeah. Well, really it's this? interesting, isn't yeah, it? Okay. Because there's 40,000 New Zealanders, like someone said, trying to get a spot every ballot, and there's like, bugger all, there's like 5% of them get them. So, But I think, you know, sports people can have that responsibility put on them. Surrey and Taylor's going to do this thing with businessmen. Uh, I think about 150 businessmen who go overseas to do big business, uh, which brings big contracts into New Zealand, which brings big uh, tax back to the government. Uh, they're going to trial something with him, Surrey and Taylor, where he gets to uh, um, do his MIQ at home because they're responsible, trustworthy people, just like I think elite sports people, Smithy, are trustworthy. Uh, you know, and They know the rules, they know how to do it. Everywhere they go, like Mike Hessen, when he goes to the IPL, he needs to be in bubbles, he knows how the system works, he, knows he needs to get tested, he knows to tell people where he is at all times. 
So I think these sports people can be relied upon uh, to actually do it themselves from home. So I'd like to see them included in that business trial along with businessmen. I think they should fall into that same category because they do provide money to this country, exposure to this country, and by all accounts, they are quite um, responsible people and can be relied upon. So I'd like to see something like that, Smithy. Um, you know, it's not an easy one to uh, come up with a solution, but I think that is one worth exploring. Uh, another one coming from Pete. Love sport, listen to your station all day, but couldn't disagree more about sportsmen getting different treatment. Are they more, uh, are they more important? Are they any more New Zealand than anyone else? Can they go overseas and uh, some of them earn hundreds of thousands of dollars and then swan in, in front of everyone else? Not for me, says Pete. So there's uh, quite clearly a real passion about it, a real passion about it uh, amongst some people and uh, a lot, uh, in fact the majority this morning that have come in, John have said no absolutely no preference for them so yeah, I, I take that on board enough. we ask for opinion and we get it and um, certainly at this stage it's in favour of no uh, help uh, no exceptions, no uh, no privileges for sporting people overseas so uh, we take that on board. Uh, speaking of um, taking things on board, I cannot understand this Ben Simmons, uh, this Australian basketball player I mean, is he related in some way to Nick Kyrgios? I mean, he's got to. There's, a, there's, a, there's something missing there. Uh, here's a guy on a massively exorbitant contract over there. He's on millions upon millions of dollars. But he doesn't want to play. He doesn't want to turn up. And when he does turn up to practice, he declines to do some of the drills. So yeah, yesterday, Doc Rivers, the head coach of the 76ers, sent him home. He just thought I was a, he was a distraction today. I don't think he wanted to do what everyone else was doing. It was early. It wasn't a big deal. I just told him he should leave. We went on with the practice. Uh, they fined him so far $1.4 million for his absence from four preseason games. He just hasn't turned up. That's $360,000 a game. And levied new, numerous team fines for mispractices, on-court workouts and meetings. Uh, they're due to play uh, next week, I think, uh, in their first game. On Thursday, in fact, as early as Thursday. Crazy. How crazy is that? I mean, what has gone wrong there? And what are they, I, I, there must be something that says they can't get rid of him, but they, they can't have him either. I don't, I don't understand it. Yeah, it's a weird one, Smithy. Um, he wants a trade, by all accounts. He wants out of the 76ers uh, to go to a new team. And you see this sometimes in the NBA. I think Kawhi Leonard did it with the San Antonio Spurs. Said he was injured for a long time, even though he wasn't, because uh, he wanted to trade teams and move um, I don't know, to get more exposure in markets. Maybe Ben Simmons thinks he can do better in a bigger market. Philadelphia is a pretty big city, but he wants uh, to be on a different team with a different role. Um, maybe he doesn't you know, get as many scoring opportunities as he wants, so he's happy to take, what, 1.4 million US so far, uh, take that hit in the pocket to try and get traded to another team to get more exposure for his brand in the long term. But it comes, along, uh, comes across as petulance doesn't it? And Doc Rivers is a great man and a great coach. You'd, you wouldn't want to make him angry, but it's just the way it seems to go with these superstars sometimes in the NBA, Smithy. Ever seen Ben Simmons shoot free throws? Have you ever seen it? It's diabolical. <laughs> it's like a, a, golfer, a golfer that cannot putt from a foot out. I mean, he just yeah. can't hit them. He'd be best served to go away, away from the 76ers and practice his free throws by himself and see if he can hit the target every now and then. It's 9.30 here on SENZ. Time for the news with Trudy. Last time this season uh, in Napier as uh, Waikato come to try and take that log of wood. Whether the Mulus will be able to take it back to Hamilton is up in the air though as their coach Ross Filippo joins us now. 
Uh, good morning to you, Ross. Yeah, taking it home to uh, Hamilton might be an issue because uh, you're not even in Hamilton at the moment. Where are you based, you guys? Morning, Smilly. Uh, yeah, mate, we're in, um, we're in Tauranga at the moment. Um, obviously, with uh, all the COVID level restrictions, we ended up having to relocate to, to remain in the competition. Um, so, yeah, we're kind of, Bay of Plenty's become our surrogate home. So well, let's talk about um, procedure then. Uh, are you able to train, go to the gym, uh, do those sorts of things that you you would normally do located in Tauranga, or do you have to be a bit more careful? Uh, no, no, no. We we because I mean obviously we've been out for we're going into our third week now um, that we've been over here, and um, so we're we're just training and operating as per normal. Um, yeah, yeah, gyms. We've got a we've got a gym that we're using that our trainer um, organised, and and Gretchen Maris have been really, really um, kind to to allow us to use their facilities, which is which has been fantastic. Um, so Russell Smart, he's he's kind of been the point lead there, so it's been fantastic being able to kind of connect with one of the local clubs over here and and use their club rooms and and, and the ground. How are you enjoying the role, Ross? Well, I'll be honest with you, Smithy, it's been bloody difficult to be fair with everything else that's going on. It's not a um it's not how I first envisaged envisaged um my first year in the role. Um all the COVID stuff and that's made it very um very difficult because it's stuff that you, you never really kind of prepare for. Um so I guess all the logistics and, and, and background stuff has, has been challenging to say the least some days, but um I guess part of the job that I love is, is, is working with the players on the day-to-day basis and, and my staff have been outstanding. Um, I think you know, we're three weeks in now and on the road and, and the group is really, really tight. Um, everyone's really, really committed to to um, getting better and, and, and trying their best on a daily basis. So from that standpoint, it's been... It's been really, really rewarding. I, I can't fault my team or, or my staff. It's, it's been outstanding. So to this point, uh, Ross, how have you how have you viewed the season? I mean, you've you've had some very interesting matches where you've conceded big leads. You've you've knocked over uh, Tasman. Uh, you've had a controversial finish to one game. I mean, it's not with, been without incident. So how have you viewed it overall? Um, yeah, probably. I guess, I guess inconsistent. At times, um, we've gone back and we, as as a coaching staff, we went back through all six games um, when we had a bit of time in our bye week and or five games, sorry, pre the Taranaki game, and you know we, we were a little bit uh, disappointed in the sense that we knew that we could we could have been five and zero in terms of outcomes, but. Um, there was a couple of things that we felt we got wrong in the weeks, in, in particular the Northland week, um, and, and also we met a very staunch Northland side who was who was celebrating um, one of their, their Cody's milestones. So um, it was kind of the perfect storm for Northland, and, and we didn't get some of our preparation right, to be fair. Okay, let's look at um, the, uh, the most recent. Yeah, I was, Sorry, 
I was just going to say, let's look at the most recent uh, performance against uh, Taranaki, mate. Um, how, how have you viewed that? I mean, you scored plenty of tries, but um, what was your takeaway from the game? Has that sort of typified the season? Yeah, I mean, you scored four, four tries to two, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how the points are scored, whether they come by way of try or penalty. Uh, discipline cost us. We're having a real hard, hard time with... Um, we're having a real hard time sometimes with, with freezing interpretation. Um, I don't... I, yeah, I'm looking at our game. I've got really good dialogue with, with Chris Pollock, and, and it's... Yeah, I... Sometimes I'm confused as to, to where we're getting things wrong, but I mean it is what it is at the end of the day, and they're, they're seeing what they're seeing, um, and we've got to live with it. We're just we're probably just not adapting as well as we should at times in games. Right, uh, yeah. Ross, you've got Hawks Bay this weekend. What have you noticed about uh, the way they're playing at the moment that you um, you have to strategize around? Um. With Hawks Bay, I mean, they're riding a massive high. Um, they're playing some really, really good code. Uh, big forward pack, physical, uh, really dangerous drive. Um, backs with great footwork, uh, the ability to, to strike from deep within their own territory. Um, there's a lot of threats there. Um, you know, and, and the shield obviously brings the best out of them. Um, yeah, it's going to be tough to go down to Napier this week and and, and put our challenge on the on the table. But uh, we've just talked as a group. You know, you can't you don't go down there and challenge for the shield. You've got to go down there and take it. Um, mm. It's a slightly different mindset um, to thinking you've got a grand for the shield challenge. Uh, if we, I guess if we hold back as a group and and, and we we're not certain and what we need to do, then Hawks Bay have got the ability to, to recognise that uncertainty and, and capitalise on that. So um, the whole week's around creating certainty amongst amongst everyone. This uh, it, It's a magnificent trophy as well. You've been involved with it, uh, of course, as a player. Does it add an extra edge? Do you have to even bring it up? I mean, uh, the players, uh, a lot of them would not have uh, had the Ramfilly Shield in their possession during their careers. Some of them are very young, but... Um, are they left in to know uncertain terms about uh, the importance uh, of it to New Zealand rugby and what it would be like to take it back? Yeah, um, it's quite cool because there's a couple of players that have held the shield um, in the past in our team and they've already stood up and spoken to the group around um, Waikato's history with the shield and um, how it's a very good history, you know. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I with me playing for Wellington, I only got I had a couple of cracks of it and we only won it once and it was like the first time in like 20 years. <laughs> but Waikato has got a long, long history of um, of historical shield matches and, and shield tenures. So um, the group's very well aware of, of what 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 Waikato is capable of in shield matches and um, I guess making sure that we build excitement, but we, we, we just don't overdo it, you know? Um, mm. Get the balance right, because you need to be able to go into a game without all your emotion at the forefront of what you're doing. You've, you've still got to be certain and clear in, in, in your roles and what you have to execute. 
one, one of the other things, of course, that, yeah, one of the other things, uh, Ross, that it's been hard, uh, I would imagine over the last 24 hours or so, is uh, the very sad passing of uh, Sean Wainui. A lot of players far from over it, far from still getting uh, their heads around the whole thing. Uh, I know a lot of your guys in your group were very close to Sean. I've been in squads with him, etc. Uh, so h- how have you managed to, to get around that in, in terms of um, uh, support and comfort for those guys? Because, it, man, it's tough. Uh, we've seen the reaction of uh, some of the All Blacks overseas, people close to him, uh, and it's, it's been very, very tough for those people. So I'd imagine you're in the same boat there. Yeah, firstly, I just, you know, I think it's important that I, I put out my deepest condolences to, to Sean's family, his children and his wife. Um yeah, I mean, that's probably been one of the toughest things I've had to do to stand up in front of a group of guys that, that didn't actually know and and tell them that one of their friends has, has passed on. Um, it was extremely difficult, to be fair. Um, off being, you know, it's incredibly sad. The last 24 hours has been, you know, extremely difficult. I've had conversations with the Bay Plenty coaches, um, Northland coaches, because we're all here. Um, and, and there's been different elements of support offered from, from, from all three environments. Um, with us, we've caught up with guys who are close to Sean individually um, and then just monitoring them and making sure that um, they know that support's here and, and um, you know, just really having regular contact with those guys on an individual basis to make sure that they have an opportunity to to, to work through um, you know this difficult time um, but, yeah it's been it's been bloody tough mate you know he was he was a very he held a lot of mana in the Chiefs team and um, you know it's, it's it's clearly rocked a lot of the boys in the team that knew him really well because he was he was such a top man. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a difficult week. Hey, Ross, uh, thanks so much for your time this morning. Um, I, I can hear in your voice that uh, it has been a very tough week and, and it's not over yet. Uh, so uh, let's hope the, the rugby side of it um, is, uh, is on the up by the time that uh, you reach uh, Hawke's Bay on the weekend. I uh, look forward to, you, uh, to, to catching up with you personally there. But uh, in the meantime... Uh, prepare as well as you can. Travel safe, mate. Thank you very much. Cheers, Millie. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it. Cheers. Yeah, I appreciate it too. Thanks, uh, Ross Filippo there, folks. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you can't, it can't be avoided. It is very tough. Very, very tough for a lot of those uh, young kids. And they are young kids uh, trying to focus on, on footy uh, at the moment. Uh, so we wish uh, Waikato and their squad all the very best as they prepare and come down and, and challenge uh, for uh, the Loggerwood. They do have a proud tradition, a very, very proud tradition uh, with the Ranfurly Shield. Uh, but at the moment, it's probably very secondary in most of their thoughts. Uh, 9.44 here on SENZ, a, a multi before 10 o'clock. Uh, but some more texts to read out on uh, this, this issue. Um, and a lot of you are very passionate about it, and uh, most of you are against it. Simple as that. We'll be back shortly. And the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's 9.49 too uh, here on SENZ. The texts uh, continue to keep coming in. 
Uh, hey, Smithy, I've been following the, the Ben Simmons saga all NBA offseason, and I think he is the biggest joke in recent history. He was the sole reason why the 76ers lost on the semifinals because he was scared to shoot the basketball, blamed everyone else but himself, and acts like he's a superstar, superstar by demand, demanding out of the team and missing practice where it would start on most NBA rosters. He's an absolute joke. It's Caleb from Dunedin. Uh, more on the, the MIQ saga. While uh, the elite sporting persons and business persons may be trusted, their family and or friends may not be quite so trustworthy. Keep in mind the lockdowns didn't fail. 2% of that population failed. Uh, like most civilizations, laws are introduced to enable some control over that same 2%. So when COVID-19 first hit New Zealand last year, home isolation was the required process, but that failed miserably. And that is from Dale at Matamata. Uh, morning in. What about a fluid decision by decision basis for sport teams and others that are based here should get into MIQ positions as they generate income and entertainment? People are based overseas most of the time cannot expect special treatment. Cheers, Brian. Appreciate that. Uh, what an awe-inspiring lady uh, Courtney Duncan is. Thank you for the interview. Her gruff, no-nonsense attitude is a breath of fresh air in these uh, COVID-written days. Why can't the government place her on top of a pedestal as a role model for the youth of New Zealand? Courtney, along with other leading New Zealand international sports people, should be applauded, giving them automatic MIQ positions is an absolute no-brainer. So you can see there's a, not a lot of middle ground there, really. Uh, absolutely not a lot of middle ground. Uh, you're either in or you're out here, and there's not a lot of ho-hum about it. A PJ from Tamuka. Smithy, we're big Courtney fans by uh, my boys all ride motocross. But how can I prioritise sports people over my son and three grandchildren, two of whom uh, we have never met during being born in COVID times? While I love my sport, I want to be able to meet, cuddle and kiss my grandchildren and completely and absolutely understand that, PJ. Uh, I've got sons in Auckland I'd really love to uh, have a beer with. Can't, absolutely can't at the moment. So whilst that's uh, small bickies to a lot of people, uh, I can sort of get... Uh, from a very small sense like that. Uh, good morning, Smithy and John. Quarantine at home should be sorted out. Uh, sporting people represent our country and showcase it. Bringing in dollars, the fact that they get paid a lot is irrelevant. They pay tax. But unfortunately for us, we have a control freak as a leader uh, has lost control and is desperately trying to get it back but has no idea. So until the government wakes up, nothing will change. It's very passionate from Mark. So thank you very much for your input there. Uh, yeah, and as I say, it's, it really is dividing the nation. So I apologise to the man that said we, we overdo it and uh, you don't want to listen to the station if we talk about COVID. I'm sorry, sir, uh, madam. It, it really is very hard to avoid in these days. 9.53 when we come back, uh, a multi before 10 o'clock. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when the whole Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away and know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Yes, don't forget if you are gambling, uh, gamble responsibly. Uh, and uh, we have uh, a website, uh, tab.co.nz, uh, for all those uh, options available to you. Yesterday we took a multi which included the Boston Red Sox to beat the Astros. Absolutely smashed them. Tommy Ball to uh, Tommy Paul to beat uh, Michael Imar. Well, he beat him in straight sets uh, last night. 
And then the Buffalo Bills to beat the Tennessee Titans. I don't know if you watched this game, but it went right down to the very last play uh, with about 20 seconds to go. The Buffalo Bills needed to make one yard, just one yard, to get uh, a touchdown to try and win the game. Uh, They failed uh, on the fourth play, on the fourth down, and therefore they lost the game. It was as simple as that. Uh, And it was very, very tight. One yard away from glory yesterday there, Josh Allen, uh, their quarterback, who uh, is rated very, very highly, couldn't get the job done. Uh, today, uh, the Red Sox to back up again to beat the Astros at a buck fifty in the WTA, the uh, World Tennis. Uh, it's in uh, Moscow, and that is uh, Sabalenka to beat Tom Yonovich at a buck twenty-seven. That's uh, women's uh, Man U to beat at Atlanta tomorrow morning at a buck sixty-seven, and Barcelona to beat uh, Dynamo Kiev at a dollar twenty-two. That'll return us three dollars eighty-eight. Yep, $3.88. Uh, after the break, we'll be talking to Warren Lees, former New Zealand coach, former New Zealand wicketkeeper, uh, amongst other things, talking about the passing of Fred Gordor, one of the great characters in the middle uh, for New Zealand cricket. Uh, of course, Warren Lees, a coach, will have uh, an opinion too on the T20 World Cup coming up. So, Wally, Wally Lees after the break. Uh, but in the meantime, it's uh, Trudy Nelson with the news here. On ECNZ Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 10.03 here uh, on SENZ and uh, particularly uh, a reflective day yesterday for a lot of people in New Zealand cricket who uh, learnt the news of the passing of Fred Goodall. Uh, Fred Goodall, of course, uh, umpiring for around about 25 years on the international scene. Uh, only umpired 24 test matches. New Zealand didn't play that many back in those days, uh, of course, um, but went through some pretty trying times, some interesting times, a lot of divided opinion, particularly overseas, about uh, Fred Goodall and his umpiring ability. But uh, one player who spent uh, a lot of time in the middle around Fred Goodall, uh, one player who um, you know was uh, responsible for appealing to him from time to time, uh, was uh, former New Zealand wicketkeeper uh, Warren Lees at the time, uh, part of a a pretty good New Zealand cricket team. Uh, and uh, Wally, uh, it was sad news. Uh, old Fred, what a character. Oh, absolutely amazing uh, character. It's a pity the game doesn't have people like him. Everyone enjoyed Fred's company. He had an army background. He took the game very seriously, but I would have some fun with him after the day's play quite often. I mean, yeah, I mean, a lot of people wouldn't know that. Um, what a lot of people did know, Wally, that you uh, were part of that, uh, I've got to say, very volatile series against the West Indies in 1980. Uh, Fred was at the forefront of that, uh, and actually uh, it was terrible, absolutely terrible, the things that happened to him. What, what do you remember uh, about that series and the atmosphere out there? We were always on the back in those days of an Australian tour, and, and, and teams would tour Australia and then just to fill in time at the end to keep uh, what was, I suppose, the ICC happy. They would they'd perhaps come to New Zealand and came out here to the Western Indies, and they weren't really very interested, in, and they really wanted to go home. Some of them were homesick, some of them had uh, wives and young kiddies with them, and they, had, they came out here to play what they considered a really big uh, international side called New Zealand. And they just thought they would probably walk over us. We probably thought the same way for much of the time. Um, and yeah, we sort of stood up to them a little bit. Uh, won a one-day game at Lancaster Park, won a test match. 
and, and really it was just too much for them. It was, as I say, a long tour to Australia. Um, some of the things that happened were absolutely disgraceful, and and it's nothing, no, no reflection at all, really, on, on someone like Fred Goodall. Uh, it wasn't just the, the situation between him and the rest of these players. It was the fact that they didn't want to be here, and they were uh, sulking, uh, spoiled. Um, Clive Lloyd, the captain, took no, no interest in discipline, disciplining his players. And, of course, there were one or two decisions, perhaps more, uh, that Fred got involved in. And they weren't always correct. I mean, they should be. We, we don't want the whole game to be uh, ruled by computer these days. That's why we still have umpires. And, and he probably got one or two things wrong, sometimes in our favour. Um, and and, and the, the badging into him by the bowler, the refusal of the West Indies to come back on the path at Manchester Park after afternoon tea, and Wall Hadley having to go down and talk them into continuing a test match. It was pretty, uh, pretty nasty stuff. And most of us kept in the background, really. Um, there was no way I was going to disappoint them by hanging around too much with the bat, so I didn't really get involved too much. Uh, most of my innings were pretty brief those days, so... If they got my name up on the board before I was out, I, I, I probably thought it was success. Um, so I felt sorry for, for Fred, and I think he's really good. I mean, uh, they were attacking one person, and, and, and Fred was, was pretty stressed. He maintained uh, a decorum about the way he, he did things um, and, and tried to play things down. But really, I think things did get on top of him in the end. Mm. Uh, as you say, he was uh, one for doing the job in the middle and doing it by the letter of the law as such, the way he saw it. Uh, but he, he was, um, for all intents and purposes, uh, quite a social person, a real, uh, absolutely a real character to be around, wasn't he? Absolute character. I, um, I probably had some of my same moments in cricket with, with Fred, and, 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 and at times... Um, we saw him the wrong way. We saw him with the army background as being particularly formal, uh, by the letter of the law, uh, very, very strict and, and abrupt the way he spoke to players at times. Um, sometimes an uncle might come in after lunch and ask me to and say, we're on our way, fellas. Fred would say, time, gentlemen, please. And he'd be moved. <laughs> um, that sort of thing. I, I, I um, probably unfortunate the way things happened. I... I remember one test match at uh, Lancaster Park, and I hadn't played particularly well, as, as you may well remember. Um, and all the players were, were going directly after the test match to Napier for the next game. I think they were playing Pakistan. Uh, I'm not sure now. But uh, all the players, it was a chartered flight from Lancaster Park to Napier, and all, all those involved were going to go directly to the, to the airport. And I remember getting out the gate after the test match at Lancaster Park, and Frank Cameron calling out, oh, all the players have got to put their bags there and then go on the bus, except for you, good all, and you, Lees. <laughs> it's a situation. <laughs> um, we were called into the uh, Lancaster Park dressing room, and I think Graham Gallon told us that we, we were the two out of the whole New Zealand contingent who were continuing on, um, which meant that Fred and I went down to the Lancaster Park Hotel and over a couple of years and probably two or three hours decided we hated New Zealand Crackers and we're probably lucky to be out of it. But uh, Fred was that sort of person. I, um, I just found him so different when he was away from the game. I, I met up with him later on and in, 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 in not, not too uh, long ago in the Masters games and different things. And Fred, of course, was throwing the javelin and breaking records. 
uh, a few years ago, but he's a, he's a completely different person. Uh, if he got away from the, the actual rigours of the test match and the pressure of the media, a uh, very, very likeable person and, and a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, uh, he was a very, very serious about his job. And uh, he, whilst he, he had a very strong and stern look about him out in the middle, there was always every now and then just the, uh, the corner of the mouth would just turn up a wee yeah. bit and you could see exactly. he, he was enjoying it. I quoted this morning that, um, that great photo of him where uh, Richard Hadley got the wicket of uh, Alan Border uh, to capture wicket number 300 and the photo of Fred Goodall with his hand absolutely raised towards the sky. Uh, almost before Richard Hadley had started his appeal. Uh, I mean, it was just brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, we had a lot of funny songs. I remember the target team when he used to do the games. We, there were times when Stephen Bock might be bowling and, and we wanted to bowl to particular players. Uh, it might have been someone batting number four for the opposition and, and he was in with the tail end and he was hanging around and, and we generally used to have five and seven ball overs, and Fred, and Fred couldn't work it out. At the end, of, if, if I wanted Bob to be bowling to a particular player on the fifth ball of the over, our players would all say, well bowled, and we'd all run to the other end, and Fred would be squarely trying to count to six. And because all the players moved, he was not decided on oh, I must have made him safe, but he'd call over. But sometimes we'd do it the other way around. I'd say, we need, we need a single over because on the last two ones, we need the particular player away. And if he bowled the sixth ball the over, we'd all say, well, well, one more ball to go. One, one ball to go. And three would get confused again. And there was a seventh ball over. And one day, we managed to get five of those correct. And three was so confused at the end of the day, but he laughed at it. He, he loved, the, he loved the, the humor that went on those days. And as we said, well, he was a character. Yeah, he was. Well, um, yeah, and he, he will. I mean, his presence will be, will pretty be, be really missed, particularly in the long room at the basin where he set up camp uh, every morning of every test match and never missed uh, an absolute minute of the game. So it's fascinating. No, you hey, well, can we just turn? Yeah, can we just turn our attention to um, the T20 yep. World Cup coming up? Well, I, I think we're a relatively good chance. I think we've got depth in most areas. Um, and, and if we, we handle the conditions, I, I think we're a right royal here. I think we are. And what, what's happened with this New Zealand team in the last uh, three or four years, I think every time we go away to any international tournament or we play in any uh, series against other countries, uh, they've performed well enough that we give ourselves a chance every time we play, which is something that obviously didn't used to happen years ago. So the strength of New Zealand cricket and, and picking the New Zealand team while they used to have only perhaps 16 or 17 players they, they could pick from, they've now got a, a group of about 24. And, and they don't lessen the, the skill of the team or the opportunity by, by going to players number 22 or 23 through injury or whatever. So we've got a great chance. But it's one of those tournaments where you've, you've got to have people in form and you've got to have people who have confidence in each other. And I'm sure that that's something that Gary Stevens pulls into this team. And, and having Stephen Flynn there as a, a late inclusion of the group, I think, is a huge example of, of how well organised these guys are. There are teams that can knock us around, and there are teams who can perform really well on the day, but will they maintain it from the whole world? I doubt it. So the teams like the West Indies, uh, perhaps, perhaps Pakistan, uh, South Africa, uh, Sri Lanka, yeah, they may win a game, 
but I don't think they're going to continue to, to, to perform the way some of the, the, the better teams, and we're one of those, the, the England, the, the Australians, uh, the New Zealand, the sort of teams that I think where the winning team will come from, so we have every chance. I think you're right. I absolutely do. Um, well, absolute pleasure to catch up with you, mate. Uh, thanks very much for those sentiments about uh, Fred, Fred Goodall. Uh, there'll never be another Fred Goodall because umpires just aren't made uh, or allowed to have character like they used to have. Uh, I, I think that's the... I mean, you look at Dickie Bird, you look at, um, you know, the, the Shep and all of some of those great umpires around the world during that exactly. era. Uh, we don't yeah. see them anymore because of... of uh, of the rules and regulations they have to um, comply to and the fact that everything they do is reviewed by television on a daily basis and that their decisions really aren't their own, to be honest. But Fred wasn't like that, was he? He was cut from a different cloth. Well, he certainly was, and I think the players too should, should remember that uh, there is room for character in the game, there is room for people to be individuals, uh, as long as it's in, in a positive fashion. And, and Fred's the sort of person that a lot of players will look back on and think, well... Yeah, my, my time in prison was made better because of people like him. Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember him fondly. Uh, well, honestly, uh, thank you very much for your time this morning and, and your thoughts on Fred. And uh, I agree with you. I think uh, the next uh, two or three weeks in the T20 World Cup, um, we might get uh, something special out of the squad that we've got. Uh, thanks. Uh, all the best to Jude and, and the family. Thank you. Good on you, Scott. No time at all. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Warren Lee's great man. Absolutely great man. One of the great teammates as well and a great tourist, I can promise you that. Uh, we've got a text in from uh, a man who said, my dad took me out of school for the Dunedin Test. It cemented my love of cricket. That's the one Warren Lee's talked about. New Zealand won in the most dramatic fashion, running a leg by uh, against the odds. Uh, a very low-scoring game. I, I was a small boy waiting for a signature outside the player's box. Clive Lloyd saw me and brought me uh, and the, the, the players were, and they, he made all the players sign my bat. And I still remember Clive letting me hold his bat and how massive it seemed with all the grips. Now, you're just a kid back then. Uh, I can tell you, you're absolutely right. Your memory is fantastic. He was a very big man with very, very big hands, long fingers, so he was able to wrap them around a bat. And he did have two to three to four grips on it, and most, most human beings wouldn't have been able to use it. Uh, and he was, hey, look, I'm not taking anything away from Clive Lloyd as a cricketer, and occasionally Clive Lloyd, uh, the bloke, but when he was winning, things were, were rosy, all very rosy. But when they lose, or they're under pressure of losing, and uh, they're getting beaten by lowly New Zealand uh, on a tour, as Warren Lees pointed out, that they really didn't want to be here, things got nasty, and uh, he was one of the most responsible for it, because as captain, you are responsible for the conduct of your players, and to do absolutely nothing, uh, when a player's shoulder barges into an umpire, uh, when uh, over rates are ridiculously slow, uh, you're on a go slow out in the middle, you don't even come out of the dressing room uh, to begin a, a new session of play. These days, I mean, that just would not be tolerated. And, and ironically, Clive Lloyd became one of the most respected match referees in the game. He was one of the originals. Um, and, and he would not have been able to tolerate that as a match referee. And I would imagine sometimes he looks back on that tour uh, and he doesn't remember it too fondly for a number of reasons, and uh, the way they behaved was uh, incredibly bad. Uh, I can uh, relate a story. I was batting with uh, Martin Crow out in the middle of, in Guyana in 1985, and we, we, were, we were going okay for a while. We avoided the follow-on, which meant the test match was basically safe from our particular point of view. Um, Clive Lloyd wasn't um, playing in that match, but it was the first series that Vivian Richards was captain, and again, they were expected to beat lowly New Zealand. 
and at one point uh, Malcolm Marshall was bowling uh, was bowling quite big no balls at one end bowling around the wicket and Martin Crow was at the non-striker's end and I was at the striker's end and he was making a point to remark the line each time right in front of the umpire, a local Western the umpire, he'd mark the line just to point out the fact that he was watching the line and the fact that Malcolm Marshall was overstepping and the umpire was doing nothing about it. And at one point Vivian Richards came up to me and he said, I'll leave out the, uh, some of the words, but he, le- he basically said to me, you go and tell Martin Crow that Martin Crow to tidy up his own backyard. In other words, what he was referring to was way back in the early 80s about the standard of umpiring in our country. Go and tidy up his own backyard, he was saying. Um, so, you know, and, and ironically, Vivian Richards wasn't even on the tour. That's how deep-seated, that's how deep-seated that loss to New Zealand was and that series was. Very, very interesting that they, they carried it on for such a long time. Uh, 1018 here on SENZ. More texts to read out when we come back. Uh, yeah, Fred Goodall. And that series, very, very memorable. Behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. We've got Andrew Gordy on the panel this morning. He is a regular and uh, Jordan Oppert was so popular last time round. We just had to get her back really, really quickly. So Jordan, good morning to you. First up. Uh, cup week, it's been confirmed, Cup week without crowds. Very, very sad. Good morning, Smithy. Yeah, no pressure. Second callback. I'm feeling it today. But look, at what point do we put up the Christmas tree and call it a year? Um, because this is actually gutting for everyone involved. I mean, it's hard to believe last year it went ahead with 20-odd thousand people, not a single person vaccinated. A year on, over a year without cases down here in the South Island, the bulk of us are vaccinated and no crowds. Like, it actually doesn't make any sense. I was out with John Dunn yesterday and Woody, one of our top drivers. He's got 25 horses in, five could be in the cup. And the look on his face said it all. He asked me to ask the questions prior to the interview to make sure that it was going to be uh, usable at 6 o'clock, I should say. And I mean, these trainers, drivers and owners work so hard for their day in the sun. You know, 14-hour days, seven days a week. They don't stop for nothing. And you feel for those as well who are in Auckland and Waikato and might not be able to get down here now. Um, and Addington think that those exemptions at this point in time just won't be granted. So, yeah, such a shame because a good day at the races is, I think, what we all need right now. I mean, you wouldn't even have had a chance to get out in the streets and do silly things like Vox Pops or anything, but I imagine the... The feeling in Christchurch is, is very, 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 very unanimous about this whole deal, wouldn't it be? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I think as I said to you last time, everyone books just about the whole week off. And I mean, for uni students in particular, this is the end of their year. So it's a big send. They, they send it for cup week, I tell you. So it's a week where everyone gets around it. And we don't have show day now. It's obviously the Canterbury anniversary is on that Friday as well. So it's a huge week. And, you know, it's just it's absolutely gutting. Gords, um, you've got a history down there. Uh, I'm sure we've, we've spoken on this subject before, but uh, at that time it was just speculation and we were optimistic, but now that's been squashed. Spoke to Tim Mills the other day, the racing club uh, uh, boss, and he said he was going to leave it as late as possible, but uh, it looks forlorn. So uh, very, very, very sad because this is institutional this week down there. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. Uh, morning, Smithy. Morning, Jordan. Uh, morning to all the listeners. Um, yeah, it's people like Tim Mills and, and those who are uh, in charge at Addington as well. They're the people that I feel really sorry for because this is the one week of the year that you kind of get your big, your big payoff, isn't it? It's the, 
the, the entire year is built around this particular week. And I think actually um, our, our Christchurch reporter down, down there, uh, Keisha Brownlee, uh, the, the first line of her story last night really summed it up for me. She, um, she had a lovely drone shot over, over Addington Raceway and said there'll be as, as many spectators uh, here during Cup Week as there are COVID cases in the South Island. And I just thought that summed it up beautifully because it's such a slap in the face and highlights just how ridiculous this really is. And, you know, we're, we're talking about moving into a new phase, obviously, of dealing with COVID in this country and having vaccine passports and whatnot. I mean... Come on, man. Like, there's absolutely no reason why they couldn't have at least had limited crowd numbers. Like, cap, cap a crowd, sure. I, I don't, I'm, I'm fine with that. They're doing that over in, over, in, um, over in Australia at the moment. They did it at, at Ramwick for the Everest this, um, this weekend, just gone. I think it was a capacity 10,000 crowd. And, you know, hearing from people like James McDonald after the race, he, you know, it sounded like 80,000 to him because it just makes such an enormous difference to the atmosphere. And, you know, you can, you can take measures like that to limit the risk. Um, but to not be able to have any crowds at all, I think, is just ridiculous. It's a slap in the face. And, you know, it's a real shame for people like Jordan, because, you know, it's a, it's a rite of passage, I think, as a cross-shoot-based reporter, to be able to go to Addington and do box pops um, before and after the races. Um, it's just something that is, is part of being a reporter down there, and it's a, it's a special experience. So I'm, I'm feel sorry for you guys that you're missing out on that. Yeah, I, I'm the same. Yeah, you nailed that, Gordy. Yeah, I've been to <laughs> I've been to Cup Week. It's uh, it's the highlight of uh, one's year, uh, even if you're not an avid racing person, but I am. Uh, so it's the creme de la creme of, of horses racing for the big prizes. Uh, I, I, I'm the same, uh, you know, we're coming up a long, long period, nearly a year, you know, nearly a year since one case anywhere near the South Island, I mean anywhere near the South Island, uh, and no, ex no exemption whatsoever, I, I just I struggle to get my head around, it makes me angry, but however I'm not supposed to on the station because we're supposed to talk about sport predominantly, and here we go. Uh, so Gords, uh, let's, talk, <laughs> let's talk about the, the, the All Blacks against the USA, I mean this will get you up early, won't it? Gee, oh, Smithy, you know, I'd sound like a real, a real sort of wet fish on this, but um, I'm struggling to, to get up for it, and even more so now um, after this, this horrible news about Sean Wainui during the week. And I really can't help but think of the players in that All Blacks team, and I'm not just talking about his chief teammates, um, because there are so many other players in that team who, who will be really feeling... Uh, this, this tragic loss, and none of those guys will be feeling like playing rugby this weekend. I'm, I'm absolutely sure of that. Um, but look, this is this is part and parcel of being an All Black these days, I suppose, isn't it? You've got to you've got to um, take the brand around the world and expose it to new markets, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So you know, it's like it's, it's part of the job for them, I suppose. And it will be it will be like that for these guys this weekend. It's just simply going out there doing a job and. And moving on to the next, I think. But yeah, as a as a as a spectator, as a, um, as, a as a fan, if you want to call it that, uh, the the interest levels in this game are next to zero. I have to say. Yeah, I, I'm a bit like that too. Um, I, I'll be interested to see the comeback of a few players, particularly Sam Kane, if he's involved, and uh, Sam White, like getting back into it. But I fear the scoreline, and for that reason, I fear the game is a spectacle, and I fear. Uh, for United States rugby, to be honest, here's just how far have they come. Uh, more, on, more on that perhaps uh, after uh, this short news break with, with Trudy and also 
Uh, I want a play-by-play, full play-by-play Jordan Oppert on the uh, recent match between Hawke's Bay and Canterbury, please. That would be nice. It's 10.30 here on SENZ. Talk, big opinions, the panel. Uh, Andrew Gordy and uh, Jordan Oppert with us this morning as uh, members of our panel. And Jordan, I was only joking about the match review between uh, Hawke's Bay and Canterbury. But I, I can't ignore the fact that uh, this Canterbury team are not playing well. The last two seasons they've been under severe pressure. Is, is it an issue down there? Look, firstly, you're lucky I'm still in the line. I just about pressed, pressed that hang-up button for a second there. It's too soon. It was Saturday. It was only Wednesday. Um, but no, not, not a good day on Sunday for uh, sports fans and Christchurch all round. Can I also just mention Canterbury League went down for the first time in 90-odd years to Otago, so that was the first thing first. Then, obviously, the loss to Hawke's Bay with the NPC. And look, oh, it's tough. And if it wasn't for those Auckland-based teams being ruled out, we'd be facing relegation. And they only narrowly avoided it last year. And, I mean, this season hasn't been easy, uh, you know, with COVID, obviously. And they are without a few key players. But the trouble is it's not going to get any easier because I think, what they're away this weekend to Otago and then Tasman at home. So that's a tough one to finish on. But... I mean, a lot of clubs would kill for the stock we have. I think I was reading we have like a dozen players in that squad who are still super rugby players. Um, but look, first thing for Ruben Thorne, he needs to find a way to pick those players up because if you look at their body language at the end of that game on, was it Saturday or Sunday? Gosh, I can't even remember the days we went to one. But it was, it said it all really on their faces and I've not seen a Canterbury side not only get defeated but look as defeated as that. Um... Yeah, can I also just say it's a tough region to be coaching? I mean, Canterbury fans are as brutal and as critical as they come, I think. Uh, and it's worth me- mentioning, though, we did win one thing, and that was the Vexathon on Saturday. So, I mean, that's what really matters, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Top priority. In fact, <laughs> I, I, it's remiss of, me not, remiss of me not to bring that up first, to be honest. Um, Gord, I know you'd, uh, I'm not sure whether you'd like to defend Canterbury or um, as part of your background or whether... You want to put the boot in as well, but uh, here we find Reuben Thorne, high-profile um, uh, Cantab, of course, uh, under fire, I think. Smithy, let's just let's go through the, the results because it's been an absolutely horrific season, hasn't it? Going down to Auckland, which, I mean, is, is unforgivable for, for a start, and then you scrape past Manawatu, scrape past Waikato, scrape past Southland. Um, you know, the biggest winning margin of the season is three points, and then defeats to Wellington and getting hammered by Hawks Bay. I mean, it is an absolutely horrendous season. I mean, you know, Cantabrians expect and deserve much better than this. But, Smitty, if you think I'm going to come on this radio show and call for the head of one of Canterbury's favourite sons, Reuben Thorne, who is defended by no one else in this country apart from Cantabrians, uh, I'm sorry, I'm not your man. I'm not your man. You're going to have to find someone else to do that. Okay, we'll try tomorrow. We'll go try and get someone from Auckland tomorrow. <laughs> hey, listen, let's, uh, let's have a look at uh, the T20 Men's World Cup just briefly. Gord's up now. Um, as, a, as much as I'm not really too worried about the All Blacks versus the USA, I am looking forward to this because I believe we are a chance now um, to, to go pretty close here. Yeah, and, and actually, I'm, I'm interested to hear from you. Like, what what is it that you that gives you the confidence? I suppose that that you think we're a really good chance in this. Because I, I, I've got to say, I 
I wasn't necessarily thinking that way, and I think I said as much on the show a couple of weeks ago. The only thing that's maybe changed my mind in recent time is, is perhaps like, I mean, obviously this tournament was initially meant to be played in India. I think if it was played in India, we'd be, yeah, it, it would ha- it would be hard for me to feel any great confidence. But because this is being played in the UAE, and a lot of our players have been based, you know, based there for a long time, playing in the Indian Premier League, getting used to the conditions. Um, maybe that gives us some advantage. And I suppose the other thing too is, is just the mental side of, of things. You know, the, the Black Caps mm. are coming off, um, knocking off, every, uh, not, not the T20 team, obviously, but their test team has, has gone out there and won a world title. And that has to give you a confidence boost and that has to rub off on, on the wider squad, I would have thought. So there's maybe a belief there now that, that perhaps wasn't there previously. But you're keen to hear what what is it that gives you that, that confidence, I suppose, that, that this team can maybe do something special in this tournament. Well, it's quite simple for me. You, you outlined the second part of it well. I think now New Zealand teams who have gone to World Cups in the past have doubted their ability to go the whole way. We've proven we can now. Uh, we didn't win the, t- uh, the uh, 50 over one in, in England, but we went, went all but. Um, so that convinced me that the, a lot of the players in that squad, there's a, quite a few in this squad who believe that they can compete at the highest level and match it on a day-to-day basis. We haven't had that in the past, so that's point one. Uh, I think uh, the other point you made about some players playing in those conditions is also very valid, but I think we've got most bases covered. I think this is probably the deepest squad we've got in a lot of areas. The only area that worries me ever so slightly is is the spin bowling area, and I think that's going to be very prevalent in this tournament, but we do have in Santa a very good slow white ball bowler, not so much a spinner. So I I believe if we can get that part of it together, uh, we can win it, and and our our fast bowling strengths have never been uh, stronger in terms of depth and ability. So... I think we've got a lot more bases covered than we had previously, and that belief is, is one factor, Gord, that, Gordy, that uh, I, I, I really do believe that it, um, uh, is huge yeah. when you come to a world stage. So that's that. Uh, which brings me, um, in terms of belief, um, Jordan, back to you, in terms of our women's team. So many of them do well in the big bash. I mean, we've, we've seen already uh, Rachel Priest. Um, we've also seen Sophie Devine. Magnificent individual performances. Over the years, we've done it too. We're standout players. Why can't we get it together as a unit? Yeah, well, I mean, firstly, can I just say how good it is to see Sophie Devine back in form? I just love everything that she kind of embodies as a cricketer, not only how she plays, but all, all that she's done off the field in the last, you know, 18 months as well. And Rachel Priest, well, I believe she's the one that New Zealand cricket somehow, and for whatever reason, let's get away. But when it comes to the White Ferns, is it too simplistic for me just to say that right now there are better teams? Because I think we're always looking for, for what's going wrong, and I agree that something's not clicking, something's not right. But you've got to hand it to the opposition. They are better right now. And like while they didn't get those wins in England, they did show glimpses of promise. And man, do they have potential. I mean, they've got Divine, Susie Bates is back, Katie Martin's a firecracker, you've got Tahulu and Sathaway. I mean, soon you've got Kerr back too. I mean, if they're on, they could be unstoppable. I do think perhaps maybe after this upcoming World Cup, we might see maybe a change at the very top, perhaps. I mean, um, the last few times I've been down here in Lincoln, time and time again, I've asked, what is it that's going on? They all claim that the culture's good, and it seems like it is. So I'm not sure where the kind of breakdown is happening. I think what we all need to do as New Zealanders is actually get behind them, because the next 12 months is exciting. They've got a World Cup here. Um, surely they can draw on that. I mean, I just, I actually can't pinpoint what it is. Uh, it's got me baffled as well, but uh, hopefully they'll, they'll find the remedy. Maybe they're just keeping uh, 
everything under wraps for the big occasion and I hope uh, Jordan uh, you get the opportunity with crowds to uh, spend a lot of time in that Women's World Cup which is not too far away. Thanks so much for your input this morning. Uh, Gords as well, thank you very much for your time. Uh, we'll have another panel at uh, the same time tomorrow morning. Great stuff there on a, a number of uh, subjects. Uh, we've got uh, a number of uh, texts to read as well. Uh, they've been coming in this morning on various issues so uh, we'll do that after the break and then just before 11 o'clock uh, it'll be our time uh, to join in uh, with uh, Pitt Morris from the TAB uh, and to Louis Herman Watt as well. Uh, racing today at Tauranga and the Cox Plate draw was out yesterday. The voice of sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Live baseball going on at the moment. Uh, it's the playoff in the series between uh, the Dodgers and the Braves. The uh, Atlanta Braves lead the series 2-0, but they're down 2-0 at the moment. Uh, it is in the top of the second inning, so just getting underway there. And uh, Football results you might be interested in as well. Uh, Manchester City beating Club Brugge this morning 5-1. Ajax beating Dortmund 4-0. Liverpool getting up at the end to beat Atletico Madrid, Madrid who had a player sent off, uh, 3-2. Uh, Porto beating AC Milan, 1-0. Inter beating uh, Sheriff Tirspol, uh, 3-1. Paris Saint-Germain, uh, after falling behind 2-1, got up with a couple of late goals. Messi involved there for, uh, for them, 3-2. And Real Madrid accounting for Shakhtar Donetsk, 5-0 in a second-half goal blitz. So uh, those uh, games, obviously... Out of the Champions League. Uh, right, your text as well. The, good morning, Smithy. The Wiggles get MIQ spots. Families can't get reunited. And uh, and tax-paying players, uh, tax-paying people can't get home either, which is a joke. The Wallabies got exception too. Our sports minister, which is also a deputy prime minister and more so finance minister, minister, which these athletes bring money to the table for everyone. We don't want another Cameron Norrie. In other words, people deserting New Zealand. Uh, and playing on someone else's behalf. I hope it doesn't get to that point, Brendan. Thank you very much for your text. Uh, Clive Lloyd did eventually apologise to Fred uh, when he came to New Zealand as a match referee when they met up. Fred used to meet up with Colin when he, uh, when he came to New Zealand as a commentator after an approach by another press reporter. So, uh, Jordan, I wasn't aware of that. Thank you very much for your input there. Incidentally, uh, Wiggles fans will be decimated to know that uh, Emma, the yellow Wiggle, uh, is pulling out of the gig. So... Mm, a lot of people around the country will be most upset about that. Smither, you mentioned Paul Broadelow yesterday. What a player he was. I lived and played with him at New Plymouth Boys High School. Great player, RIP, uh, from Stephen. Um, uh, Smithy, Corsine Mav isn't the best horse I've ever seen, but he's one of my favourite horses. I uh, love his bulldog approach. Suspect he won't have the class of Zaki or Probabil, but I have a feeling he won't be far away. I'm with you on this one. Uh, the Valley suits certain horses. Fields of Omar and Zipping weren't champions, but they always ran well in the Cox Plate. I remember Fields of Omar. What a horse it was at that time of the year. Uh, nothing would give me more pleasure this racing season than seeing Mav running the money on uh, Saturday. Regards, JD from Mount Eden. I'm sure JB from Havelock North uh, will be right in your camp. John Barry, that is. Um, uh, Remember, Smithy, on the subject of Gary Stead, quite a turnaround from 18 months or so ago when it seemed he'd lost the dressing room and was at loggerheads, apparently, with Kane Williamson. Probably should be more plaudits his way. Yeah, well, that's true. Uh, he plays a very low-key role, Gary Stead. Uh, he's sort of, I won't say he's a reluctant media man, but he never pushes his own barrow forward. Uh, for that reason, uh, he plays it pretty cool. So he doesn't get a lot of plaudits because he doesn't go seeking them. 
Um, and, and it's as, as simple as that. Hey, keep them coming in, folks. Uh, those uh, texts are brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Lots of candidates in there for Temper Fellow Text of the Week. 299 buck pillow with, uh, with just so much money coming your way if you are a judge to have the best one this week. And the best one for the month, of course, $10,000 uh, worth of Temper products. The Queen Mattress, the Queen Adjustable Base, two Temper pillows. We thank, we so thank uh, Temper for being part of our show. Very, very generous indeed. Uh, Louis Herman Watt, uh, very shortly, and Pip Morris from the TAB. Loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. Yes, uh, courtesy of loveracing.nz, we are fortunate to get Louis Herman Watt at uh, this time of the day, each day. Uh, important day yesterday, the Cox Plate Barrier Draw, and uh, with your knowledge of the quirky track that the Valley is, how important uh, were those numbers coming out, Louis? Look, they were important, um, Smithy. Morning to you. I just don't know whether there's any uh, negatives from the draws, really. I look, the, I look at the draw and I think it kind of in a, in a ten horse field, which it is, it's almost kind of like panned out to my eye as each stable would have hoped because the way they do the barrier draw, you actually get to select your barriers, and in a ten horse field, it's not going to be too sticky for anyone. I know. I heard. Um, I heard Damien Lane saying that he would prefer to be between two and six on Very Elegant or two and seven, and he's drawing nine. But for me, I don't actually think that's an issue on the mare because she likes to pull her head around. She can be a bit titchy. So if to get a little bit of clear air and, and Damien a chance to sit wide because we know she can out-tough horses. We know she can sit three wide, two wide. If she has, doesn't have a bit of cover the whole way, that's not really the concern with her. The concern would be... Zaki have drawn barrier, taken barrier six. Um, Callsign Mav gets barrier five. We heard John Barry say this morning they're going to get a, per- they're probably going to get a sit, maybe get him behind Zaki. Zaki's going to roll forward. I'd suggest James McDonald kind of intimated that he's just going to let him go, and it's going to be good luck to the rest of the field to catch. And I think that tactic we've seen it work really well with Sunline, Northerly, um, or different, well different. Um, uh, Cox Plate winners throughout the years, famed Cox Plate races, where you let the best horse in the race roll forward, get the rest of them off the bit, and on that tight-turning valley, then it's their job to ping off the corner, which is not that easy to do. So I don't mind it. I think Moong has drawn four to give himself the chance. He could be the forgotten horse. Gold Trip with Damien Oliver's drawn two. He's going to get a chance. Um, Probabil's drawn seven, which is a very successful Cox Plate um, gate, maybe when there's more horses in the race. But look, she's going to be able to get cover and not be too far off them. I just see the race panning out like Zaki and James get moving, and it's up to who can be close enough to keep up. And I think it pans out to be a fantastic race, Smithy. I couldn't be more excited. Yeah, I couldn't either. I think the quality of this field is unbelievable. In years gone by, of course, we just looked at Winks and we didn't really acknowledge that the fact that she beat some very, very good horses. But this is more even, um, and there is, you know, some real quality there. Uh, speaking of which, uh, there is racing today at Tauranga. I-, I think you better give us one, Louis. Come on. I'll give you one at Tauranga. It's not my best of the day. It's slow eight there. I've got my best of the day is actually at Geelong where we've got different chances, but I'll give you one at Tauranga to follow. Race five, Ben Foote's got a really strong team. I read that he wasn't tipping one over the rest of them, but for to my eye, Madame Lefay, number four in race five, flashed home, looked really stylish, uh, coming home for third, over 1,400, I think it was. It's up to the mile now. Um, it- it's short, 
but and I, and I wouldn't be stacking it up, stacking and racking. But look, I think she's gonna. I think she'll win this race. Geelong race number seven, number no, sorry, Geelong race number eight. How romantic! Um, Ma Eustace. Loves it second up, loves the track, loves the distance. That's my best of the day. And a couple of Kiwis to follow, Tutu Kaka and Defibrillate there on the card in the Geelong Cup as well. So great days racing today, Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. It is three minutes past 11 here on SENZ Morning, heading through to midday when Staffy, of course, takes over for the afternoon. And uh, Greg Murphy joins us now, supercar legend, of course, co-host of Race Control with us on Thursday, 7pm here on SENZ. Also has got uh, a speed show as well on Sky Sport. Uh, Greg, good good morning to you, mate. Um, we're hearing news that the number 51 will officially re- reunite for the first time in nine years at Bathurst, uh, Repco Bathurst 1000. Is, are they just rumours or can you substantiate for us, please? <laughs> Good morning, Smithy. Yes, um, I think if you are paying any attention right now um, and if you're, you're not sort of uh, with it, you're living under a rock, um, to be able to travel in and out of New Zealand, uh, into other parts of the world, and specifically Australia, and then back to New Zealand at the moment is uh, somewhat of a challenge. So um, I don't have uh, any special um, dispensation or, or getting any special treatment. So listen, it's uh, we're wishful, I think, um, based on that. Um, the plans are still going ahead, um, hoping that there might be some, some changes. Uh, to the situation. Um, New South Wales is, as of November 1, opening up to uh, quarantine, isolation-free travel for you know Australian citizens and residents and a few other people. Um, and uh, we're, we're sort of hanging a bit of hope on that that might um, change into you know, New Zealanders and, and a few other people that might be vaccinated. So uh, that, that, that alleviates one little issue, but then um, a potential much bigger issue is, is actually how you get back into New Zealand, uh, which we all know at the mm. moment is uh, a bit of a talking point and a struggle for for many Kiwis. So, um, yeah, 51 will be on the car. Uh, delivery was announced, uh, released, sorry, yesterday. Um, the car was actually driven yesterday at uh, Winston Motor Raceway in, uh, just out of Melbourne, which is the Victorian team's uh, test track. Uh, mate Jack Perkins actually got to drive the car and um, give it a bit of a shakedown. So it's all ready to go. Um, it's just these uh, the two drivers and the names on the car. Both of us are sitting in New Zealand and and twiddling our thumbs on that one at the moment. How long do you, uh, how late or how long do you have to to make up your mind? How how late could you possibly leave it, Murph? Yeah, I think Smithy. It comes down to we've probably really only got a couple of weeks. Um, we we've got to get over there uh, to give us the opportunity to to spend some time in the car, which which will be at City Motorsport Park. Um, good news for supercar fans is next week uh, racing resumes back at City Motorsport Park. There's going to be four weekends in a row of racing there with a whole different, a uh, lot of formats under lights, um, sort of sprint formats, but longer enduro kind of formats, a whole bunch of stuff going on for four weeks there at City Motorsport Park. So the whole fraternity will be based there for that period of time. Um, so that kicks off and then, you know, the the plan at the moment is to try and be over there by about the 14th of November, and that gives us a chance to do some testing 
between the last two race meetings uh, there and uh, and then sort of uh, have a week um, of other preparation and, and head up to Bathurst for the event. So that that really is the latest we can we can do it because Richie and I both haven't driven a supercar. Um, well, well, it's two years since he's driven one, and it's and, and it's a little bit longer since I've driven one. And um, you know the the preparation has you know clearly been compromised and is far from ideal. Um, and you know we we can't we can't turn up at Bathurst not having spent some time in the car. And and, and even if, even if we do get to do some laps at Sydney Motorsport Park prior to heading up there, it still doesn't prepare us in the the fashion that we would have preferred in any way, shape, or form. Right. Okay. Let's uh, move away from. Uh, your side of things and, and head uh, just if we can to uh, the World Rally Championships of course returning to New Zealand next year the absolutely fantastic news and we hope and pray that that can eventuate um, that is great to have New Zealand back on that program Oh it's phenomenal um, and, and uh, you know I'm glad you said that and it's great and, and we do need to actually put some some uh, real weight behind it and, and put it in perspective I mean uh, you know the New Zealand has is highly highly regarded uh, as a as a rally on the calendar, and you know we, we've we've been in and out of that uh, situation for quite a while. We were supposed to have a rally here two years ago, and and then you know the COVID situation has really obviously hampered and put a, a strain on all that. But for the WRC to go and throw uh, New Zealand in the mix for for next year is, is I think yeah um, puts perspective on what they actually consider and how they think about New Zealand and and. and you know what they think of the roads here and and the organisers. Um, so it's a it's a massive deal, and I can't wait for it. Now, and Peter Johnson and his team at Rally New Zealand, they're, they're a very hardworking team with a lot of patience. You know they've um, they've finally received what they deserve, which is a recognition and, and the ability to to have uh, WRC down here running uh, running a rally. Uh, so yeah, huge, and it will be massive next year. Um, I know that we'll be all sort of in a in a very different space to what we are this year and moved on from the lockdowns and the bits and pieces. So, um, you know, I, I, I can't see that it's uh, it's going to change. But, yeah, we're as, as a rally fan myself, I'm super excited and, um, mm. you know, to, to see the cars and, and have the event here and put New Zealand on the map again. Well, I could uh, take it uh, around the back roads of Havelock North, mate, and you could, um, yeah, mate. You could serve refreshment. You could serve refreshments yeah. at the front gate. That would be nice. <laughs> it would be. Plenty of roads around hey, listen, here, brother. Uh, yeah, there are, man, there are. Uh, uh, emissions, of course, uh, is one of the big things uh, on the world political stage these days, and we're continually looking at it. So uh, the, uh, I, I guess the inevitability of uh, more electric cars coming uh, into events around the world uh, is, um, is there. Hayden Patton, of course, has uh, jumped the gun here. He's into it already. Tell us about the, the momentum that that's gaining. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, I think, and because because of those challenges, and I suppose you know you, you're always going to have challenges when you start to introduce something completely new. And, and you, if you look at how long the combustion engine and, and the, the current sort of accepted version of motor vehicles have been around, and the development of that, it's been going on for quite a while. So there's been a very far, a fast track towards you know the electrification of motor vehicles. Um, and WRC next year goes to a hybridised uh, version of their rally cars, so they're making a, a, a transition. Um, Hayden has definitely jumped ahead of that um, with uh, being, you know, living back here in New Zealand now and focused on that. He's he's gone and grabbed a, a bunch of people to come together uh, to support uh, his build of his uh, Hyundai Kona electric rally car. Um, and it, it has been a monumental job for them and for his New Zealand team 
to do what they've done. And, and so far, it's been um, incredibly uh, well received. And he is, they've managed to build something that is it's quite spectacular using all his contacts and, and bits and pieces. So I, I think, you know, there's, it's still going to be a little while away because of the, the acceptance of the fact that, you know, uh, battery-powered powered vehicles um, have a very limited amount of range, especially in that performance um, sort of kind of space, you know, the, the ability for it to go all day like a um, combustion engine car does and uh, with all you have to do is put fuel in it. It's a little bit different, obviously, with the electrification side, but it is moving. It's moving slowly. Um, a lot of manufacturers saying about, you know, where they're going to be as far as building vehicles in the future. Um, personally, I think um, uh, it's all happening faster than what it can actually be done. Um, I think there's, there needs to be a bit more thought process into it. I think hy- hybrid vehicles are the, the way to go, um, which takes away the requirement for a whole new infrastructure to be built, which is going to cost billions and billions of dollars. And, um, you know, putting the focus on, on uh, electricity alone, I think uh, hy- hybrid is the way to go where you can, you know, use a smaller amount of fuel and, and, and also be supported by Electrification, so it's 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 an interesting space that I think is going to be moving, moving a lot. Uh, we are far away from seeing uh, an end result there. Uh, this morning, Murph, uh, one of our first guests was uh, Courtney Duncan, of course. Man, what yeah. a, a fascinating young lady this is, and ultra successful in a very competitive industry, a long, long way from home. She's so young, but uh, man, so focused. She, she's good talent, and and obviously brilliant at what she does. She she really is. Um, uh, Stephen McGovern and I are huge fans. Uh, she's just in, inspiring, completely inspiring. And you know the the ethic of work and commitment and dedication. I, I you know she you know she there's a picture of her under those definitions of those words because she just is. And you know um, I've I've seen her rides you know uh, in against the guys and. If you didn't know it, uh, that she was riding the bike, you would just say it was one of the boys riding the bike um, because she she is so good. She is just so good. And uh, so she's an inspiration to everybody and, and she deserves every single bit of success. Um, and fingers crossed she takes out another world championship this weekend. Uh, well, I was watching um, your, your motor show on television and uh, you had a great segment on motor, motorcycling GP. Uh, and it took me back to my days growing up as a kid and... and in Wanganui, and they had the around the cemetery race back in those days. I'm not quite sure if it's still going, but it was huge. Hay bales all around yeah, the place, great speed. It was just a, a wonderful spectacle to be part of, and it, it got me to thinking uh, just to the strength of uh, of motorcycle racing in New Zealand. How, how strong is it these days? Because I personally uh, have not heard too much about it. Uh, yeah, it, it still is. Um, it's very strong, and um, uh, Avalon Biddle, who uh, comes on our radio show and on, on Sky Speed as well um, you know she's she's in there racing and road riding and, and bits and pieces um, and you know there's still a, a, a huge uh, sort of following and participation in the sport um, the cemetery circuit stuff has been still going I, I actually can't tell you I think it did run last year um, probably people listening will be able to confirm that but it, it's still on and, and the circuits that we've got um, you know around the country uh, you know, are, are constantly you know, uh, having bike events and bits and pieces. So yeah, it's, it's massive. And motocross is huge in this country. It really is. I mean, we've got a again uh, a, a huge amount of talent that's um, uh, operating here in New Zealand and racing on a continuous basis. And 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 talent that probably should be overseas as well, doing more um, overseas racing in America and Europe. 
Um, but I know for a fact there's been a few that have been you know heavily restricted this this year and, and last year through obviously COVID. So you know we've we've got a, a broad range of talent in, in that um, that space, road racing or motocross as well. Um, you know we tend to to be able to cover all the bases. Race control tomorrow night at uh, seven p.m. here on SENZ. Murph, what have you got lined up at this stage? Well, we're just um, trying to get uh, Shane Van Gisbergen on at the moment. Uh, hopefully, we'll get that confirmed and have him on tomorrow night and have a chat about uh, what he's been up to in preparation for supercars coming back next week. We are going to—I've got Jack Perkins coming on to have a chat. He drove, uh, say, the, the 51 ZB Commodore yesterday at Winton, so we'll have a chat to him. David Dicker actually is on. So David Dicker is the founder and owner of uh, Roden Cars, um, big supporter of Liam Lawson. Uh, at the moment, um, builder of uh, just the most incredible cars down there in Wire. He's got his own uh, facility in Wire. Just an incredible man uh, with uh, huge vision. So we're going to have a chat to him as well and, and uh, a few other people. Good on here. Look forward to listening to it. That's Greg Murphy and Stephen McIver, of course, live here on SENZ tomorrow night uh, at 7pm, I think. Actually, I should thank Stephen McIver for filling in for me the other day, doing a great job. Uh, such a pro in the industry. So we look forward to, to that show as well, Murph and McIver. Uh, look, keep those texts coming in, Double eight, double three. an opportunity to read some out very shortly. Uh, still, uh, there's mixed views on uh, the COVID issue. apologise again for having to bring it up, but it's a fact. It's a big fact. I don't want it to be one. I really don't, but uh, I can't avoid it. Uh, so, yeah, and, and also uh, JD's got some news on the all-black captaincy. Um, from all intensive purposes, of course, Adi Savia, isn't it? Well, is it? We shall see shortly. 11.16 here on SCNZ. He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Superman! Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. In about 15 minutes' time, we're going to be talking to Paddy Gower, News Hub journalist, very famous man and brilliant at uh, the work that he does. You'll recognise uh, Paddy from his... His documentaries on News Hub on weed and on pee, uh, and his performance on the Vaxophone last weekend. Uh, he is uh, a real personality in New Zealand broadcasting, but uh, so, so damn good at what he does. So I'm really looking forward to, to catching up with Paddy. In the meantime, though, John, you, you've got some, um, uh, some news on a couple of subjects, including the newly named renamed, is it, uh, New Zealand uh, rugby captain, all-black captain? Yeah, it's hard to keep up these days, isn't it, Smithy? We've had four captains uh, this year, so the merry-go-round continues. The current one, like you said before, the ad break is Artie Savia, but Sam Whitelock and Sam Kane have arrived in town, the two Sams. I don't know whether they paper scissors rocked or anything, but <laughs> Sam Whitelock will captain the All Blacks for the remainder of the year, and that's to allow, I guess, Artie to shift back to what he does best is playing, and Sam Kane just to settle back in after not being involved at all with the All Blacks this year. So when you read between the lines here, Smithy, what does this kind of say to you about, I guess, Artie Savia and the captaincy and also Sam Whitelock and also Sam Kane? How, what do you read into this? Well, I read into this um, not that good a news for Sam Kane, to be honest. I mean, he was the original, but so much has happened uh, since he was named as the All Black captain. And I mean, the All Black captain with a capital V. Uh, but now, of course, he hasn't played a lot of rugby. Uh, things have changed. Combinations have changed. There have been so many performances without him that I guess the thinking has changed uh, on that score, and he has to play his way back into uh, at loose forward combination. So you cannot have a captain who uh, can't at the moment demand his place in the team. Sam Whitelock can. Of course, there's absolutely no doubt about that, along with Brodie Retallick now, particularly that the other two locks have come home. So 
Yeah, I mean, it's undoubted that when it comes to every single serious match, uh, Sam Whitelock will lead them out. I don't think there's a problem there. But we did get the message, didn't we, that, um, and it was from Ian Foster in the camp, that Artie Savi had done such a great job, they were impressed with his leadership. This was after the loss to South Africa that he would continue on in the job. Well, that, of course, is, is now not the case. So whether Artie has gone to them and said, let, let me just play, uh, I want to establish myself, I wanna, I'm not happy with my form, or I am happy with my form, and I just want to just be a player in the group, maybe that's been the case. I could hardly imagine that they'd say he will be the captain and then take away from him uh, without that kind of consultation. Yeah. So not privy to being in, inside the four walls, but that's the way I read it. Um, Sam Wylock's a given in the 15. Sam Kane isn't, so yep. he can't be captain. Yeah, and it'll be interesting with Sam Kane, won't it? Uh, he'll play against the USA, but can you really push your case there and say, hey, I'm ready for Wales kind of in the next test match? It's going to be an understrength Welsh team, but I still think uh, it's going to be a good one. So you've got to put out our best team. So, yeah, Sam Kane won't know exactly when he's playing. Uh, how do you see it going for him in the big test matches? Like France, I think, is the final one. Uh, probably Ireland's the other big one. Do you see him having enough time with USA, maybe Italy, to play his way back into that starting seven jersey by the time Ireland and France roll around? I think out of loyalty, and uh, it's always been the case with uh, all black teams in the last five, six, seven years um, particularly, that uh, they will give uh, injured players, injured frontline players the opportunity to say that. It'll be up to Sam Kane and his form. Uh, you know, they've got a high standard there. Popoliti did very well in the seven jersey. They had Artie doing uh, well in the seven jersey when that, um, it was his take. Uh, it all revolves around where you slot Artie in. I mean, are you happy to have Artie at eight and, and not have Jacobson on your starting side? And Blackadder adds another... Uh, dimension to the whole thing. It's a healthy situation, but a puzzling one at the same time. So yeah. uh, I think they'll give Sam Kane ample opportunity to make the big time again. Uh, but he's, he's got to be up to speed. And, uh, you know, 57 minutes for King Country is hardly <laughs> that kind of preparation, to be fair. But yeah, might be tougher than the USA, though, Smithy, I think. Uh, Heartland Championship Rugby. Like, USA can't even Sounds beat Uruguay. Like like, what are they up it to? It sounds like it. <laughs> yeah, and uh, revealing too, wasn't it? Um, Andy Ellis uh, just revealing the standard where how he felt was somewhere between um, somewhere between Premier Rugby and uh, Heartland's Rugby type, that the standard of the rugby he's yeah. playing over there. That was quite revealing, actually. I thought it would be higher than that, but with all the overseas influence and the history they've had of dragging players in to try and la- raise their standards, that, and that maybe is a reflection on uh, how the Eagles are going the USA Eagles are going at the moment. Anyway, other uh, another rugby story you've got there? Yeah, um, obviously the the news is just like we've heard from so many. Like Ross Filippo this morning was battling, having to tell his players that, uh, about Sean Wainui passing, Andy Ellis um, struggling with it, his old Crusaders teammate. We had Ash Dixon as well. The whole rugby community is feeling Sean Wainui's uh, passing on Monday in that car crash. So the Chiefs Rugby Club have set up a Give a Little page. Smithy, you'll know about Give a Little. Um, it's where people can go on. And, and give money towards good causes. So this is towards Sean Wainui's Fano support. It's called All Proceeds Will Go Directly to Sean's Wife, Paige Wainui, and their children, Kawariki and Arahia. Uh, and so far it's been up for two hours, Smithy, and $31,000 has already been donated to that Give a Little page. So I know everyone's battling, everyone's struggling, especially as former teammates and as Fano and the wider New Zealand community. So if you're just feeling a bit hopeless, like I think a lot of us do in these situations, 
you can go to Give a Little, and it's called Sean Wainui's Whānau Support, and you can give a little uh, cash towards that family there, Smithy, which I think is a very good thing from the Chiefs uh, community, and already you can see people just pouring in their cash because everyone's feeling it, mate, aren't they? Yeah, they are. They absolutely are, and I think that's wonderful uh, that the Chiefs have uh, initiated that, and equally, and uh, even more wonderful that the response has been so quick and so generous, and so uh, we'll uh, give that address out again before midday. Uh, John will be on to that, uh, I'm sure, so uh, we can uh, do our bit as well here on SENZ. I've got to thank everyone, not only for that, but <coughs> their input into the show this morning, and uh, we, we always we start with a, with a blank page, really, and we, we hope that you, you'll contribute, and today's been great. It honestly has on a number of issues. Uh, Reid has come in and said, I think that it is a complete embarrassment to New Zealand sport that we don't give a lot of professional sports people travel dispensation as long as they are vaccinated and can produce a negative test pre-travel. And if you threw out their at-home quarantine, let them travel if they don't cooperate, pull funding to them, etc. As far as them being treated the same as everyone else, well, we all know there are too many hood rats that can't be trusted with at-home quarantine. Can't compare the two situations in my eyes. Uh, hi guys, whilst I'm sure... Vaccinated returning New Zealand citizens will soon be self-isolating at home. In the short term, people needing to return to proven compassionate reasons should absolutely be prioritised, followed by those who have been trying to get back permanently for the longest time. Unfortunately for now, everyone else who has left the, recently, left the country recently for whatever reason should take their chance in the MIQ lottery. It's hard to take, but compassionate family reasons and those in desperate situations should have priority now. Uh, those are almost wartime conditions. They're almost wartime conditions. Uh, our forebears who put their lives on the line for their country would be ashamed of some of the, the selfishness that's been around so long. And that is an excellent text. It really is. And uh, I couldn't agree more on uh, our elder statesmen, uh, a lot of whom have gone now, would be absolutely staggered um, at what's going on and the rules that have been broken. Uh, from time to time from people who should know uh, a damn sight better. Right, it's uh, Stump Smithy time uh, here on SENZ uh, 1129. Get on the phone 0800 150 and uh, see if you can be the benefactor from the generosity of the TAB. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. That's right, you know what time it is. Time to give away 50 bucks from the TAB as well as those Sleep Drops Daytime Revive, New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. And on the phone today, we are heading down to Otago and it is Brad from Dunedin. G'day, Brad. How are we, guys? I'm doing very well. Yep, very well indeed. And one of your um, finest, actually, from Otago, we had Courtney Duncan on this morning. Did you hear that interview? And you're aware of what Courtney's been doing for not only New Zealand, but Otago around the world, winning those motocross races? Yeah, fairly unbelievable. Eh? She's doing hell of a job over there. Yeah, she's a weapon. And I loved it this morning, just about how she just loves the physical stuff, just knocking the Italian off her bike, her main rival, uh, and her t- Italian uh, rivals holding a grudge, but Courtney doesn't care. It's just the way she was brought up. So really cool to chat to her, um, but it would be really cool if you could win as well. So we've got three sporting categories. You choose one, get three questions right, you win the prizes, but get one wrong, and Smithy can come in and stump you. So, Brad, your sports today are cricket, Basketball, and actually, I've only got two. So, cricket and basketball. What are you going to choose? Uh, 
We'll give basketball a crack, eh? Yeah. It's NBA season. You got a team, or are you just like the rest of us and follow uh, Stephen Adams? Uh, big Knicks fan, actually. So they're on, on the up. So, um, yeah, see what they can do this year. Nice. Knicks fan. Smithy, are you NBA fan? you have a team? I tend to have uh, followed. Uh, I was really, really keen on OKC there when Stephen Adams was there, but uh, you know, it's very hard. I think it's easier to be a player fan than a team fan these days because they change and they trade left, right, and centre. Uh, you know, I, I'm a, re- a really big fan of Kevin Durant. I think he's an unbelievable basketball player. So at the moment, I'm with Brooklyn. So we'll, we'll just leave it at that. All right, mate. Knicks, man. How do you get into the Knicks when they never won? But anyway, let's get started. Because <laughs> you're a young man, aren't you? Like, how do you get into a team that doesn't win? Uh, well, you know, when D Rose went there the first time, I was a big D Rose man, ah, so okay. I sort of started following them. Ah, I see, I see. All right, question number one: Who holds the record for the most NBA games played? Oh, is it Bill Russell? One of the worst things I have Ooh. ever seen done on a cricket field. Not correct. Most games of NBA basketball played, Smithy. Abdul Karim Jabbar. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Not bad though, Smithy. Kareem Abdul Jabbar second on the list with 1,560 games. Vince Carter third on the list with 1,541. But Robert Parrish, 1,611 games of NBA basketball. Robert Parrish, which means you're still alive, but the skinnier teeth, Brad. So, got to pick up uh, your game. I'll take that though. Yeah, oh, you will indeed. Who holds the NBA record for the most assists of all time? Uh, Magic Johnson. He's got him. He's out court. No. No, not Magic Johnson, point guard from the LA Lakers back in the day. No, not Magic Johnson. Smithy, chance for a stumping. Yeah, there is. I'm going to have a crack at John Stockton and the mailman. Oh, no. That's not couple of chips down the wicket. Oh, Oh, Brad, you were stranded and you knew it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Oh, mate, the Stockton. Well done, Smithy. Stunt by McIver. So, stunt by Smithy now, too. Oh, no. You were in rugby by McIver. Oh, no. Mate, I hope you don't tell your friends about this. Um, Yeah, I don't think they listen to it. So, I've got three Oh, unlucky Brad Smithy. Well done, mate. John Stockton, one of the greats. Okay, line up the next one. Yeah, line mate. Line up the next one. Hey. the player wins a prize or not. Yep. All right, Zade, you've got <laughs> one question. Get it right and you'll take it all. But if you get it wrong, then we'll have to jackpot to tomorrow. So how's your basketball knowledge, Zade? It's, it's all right, Ish. Um, I'm a Lakers fan, so I'll be watching the boys today. Nice. Um, I can't can't wait to see how um, Russell Westbrook and... Um, uh, and that go and LeBron James and um, Anthony Davis. Yeah, and Carmelo Anthony and was it Ray John Rondo and the rest of the NBA. Like, yeah, is there any players you guys don't back, want? Um, they bring back Avery Bradley as well yesterday. Oh, wow. Just because you need another shooting guard who's really good. Okay. Good yeah, luck to yeah. you. Well, so we one just... question here. You've got one shot. One shot. Get it right and you'll be a winner. But get it wrong and look out. Smithy's on fire. So who holds the NBA record for the most points ever scored in the NBA? Oh, um, what's his name? Um, played, 
I don't know. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Just a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot. And away it goes. Yes, sir. Well done, mate. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar has got 38,387 NBA points. And you know your basketball, mate. I thought you were searching there and a bit lost. But well done. You've won the sleep drops. And you have won the 50 bucks from the TAB. Try sleep drops.co.nz. All ages, lifestyle stages, sleeping challenges. But take as directed, Zaid. Sleep drops Auckland. Well done to you. Okay. Good on you, Zaid. Stay on the line, and Brian will get his, uh, your details off you, and uh, we'll get the, those things through to you uh, as quickly as we can. Uh, 11.38 here on SENZ, and coming up very shortly, Paddy Gower. So looking forward to this. In just one word, Winston. Well, that's Paddy Gower at work, folks. Uh, and uh, if you uh, follow Paddy Gower, you'll know he's brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. Normally we get a comedian in the slot each week, but uh, it's time to get a, a wee bit more serious today. And uh, I'm so pleased because uh, Paddy's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. You'll, you'll know him uh, as uh, a man who's been involved heavily in uh, News Hub documentaries of late, particularly on drugs, uh, on weed and on pee. And his performance on the Vaxathon uh, last weekend uh, was also a real highlight, and it's a highlight for me to say good morning, uh, Paddy Gower. Thanks for joining us. Oh, it's an absolute honour uh, to be on SENZ with my favourite New Zealand broadcaster, Smithy, and also my <laughs> favourite whistlekeeper and my favourite sideline comments man. And you don't have to be so polite. Look, I can be a comedian as well. I reckon I'm probably funnier than a few of the guys you've had on here in recent weeks. I think you probably are, actually. I, I think you are, mate. And <laughs> honestly... Uh, can I get just? Uh, can I get seriously? For I, I got to ask you, uh, Francis Douglas boy, Taranaki, um, yes. born and bred man. Uh, what about the Naki and no promotion then? Eh? What about that? Barnsley getting upset? Yeah, well, um, that that is quite serious. That's one of the most serious issues facing the nation at the moment, Smithy. In my opinion, uh, yes, I am Taranaki born and bred. Taranaki based hospital, April the first, nineteen seventy seven. Uh, grew up in the area, eras of Dave Trapper-Loveridge and Graham Moody. Um, and I'll tell you what, mate, um, this decision by the New Zealand Rugby Union is one of the biggest disgraces that I've ever seen in sporting in a sporting context. And I'll, I'll tell you why, Smithy. I went up to watch the game at Pukakura Park, you know, where you would have you mm. played there. I mean, well, how many games did you have there? A million? Two million first class mm-hmm. games or something, or is that the runs you got? Is that the runs you scored there? But you you, you would have played the Pukakura Park in cricket, I'm sure. Yeah, look, I did, um, and uh, I, I took notice of that game. But of course, Paddy, you will know I, I'm a Hawks Bay boy, and that was our big upset, <laughs> our big wake up call um, oh, yeah. that, that Taranaki Taranaki were able to give to it. But I mean. Uh, Taranaki is such a, a, a proud rugby province, and you mentioned uh, yeah, well, Loveridge well, I, and mentioned Murray. I went up to that game, Smithy, because uh, I lived down in Wellington, mm-hmm. and, you know, growing up, I was, you know, I, I love Pukakura Park and obviously know it for cricket. Uh, but what I saw was the rugby union basically really battling, um, not just for, you know, to try and get promotion. Um, but to keep the union going, because as, as a lot of people know, the stadium has been ruled out because of earthquake problems. So that's why the game has gone to Pukakura Park, because it's hard to, you know, Taranaki doesn't have a stadium at the moment. Uh, then we've got COVID. We're trying to get promoted. Everyone there in the community is trying to get the team is trying to get the team up. And yes, you know, it just did happen to coincide with, with giving Hawks Bay a bit of a whipping. But 
the point that I'm making is promotion was so central to what, what we're trying to do to keep the union alive. To have it taken away just on a sort of whim and a technicality, and I, I, I know it's a hard decision with the Auckland team not playing, but there had to be another way. And if the rugby union had honestly just got off their asses and, and, and used their brains and not been afraid of, of telling Wellington or Auckland or Canterbury, if it had been one of those unions, they wouldn't have done it. And they've really just screwed us as a region and they've screwed the game and they've screwed all the people that go out and support Taranaki and, and they've screwed, you know, the players who go out there and, and, and want to play for something. They've taken that away from them. And, you know, I just think, I think it's, a, it's, it's a decision that could have taken some more time and care and they could have come up with a solution if they'd wanted to and they just didn't want to and that sucks. Correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Paddy, and I appreciate your sentiments there. Francis Douglas College um, in New Plymouth, that makes uh, that would make Conrad Smith, after you, the second most famous uh, alumni there. Would that be right? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I t- did teach him a lot of what he knows. Um, he's never spoken about it publicly. But um, when we were bossing to school, so then he was a couple of years younger than me, uh, him and his brothers, uh, would come out of a street called Corton Street and I'd come along a street called Two Copper Street on my Avanti 12 speed and we were coming into a very, very strong get wins and it required determination, guts uh, and sheer passion and drive uh, to get along that last stretch to the school driveway and uh, quite often, you know, I would just go from the front and just lead and I think Conrad sort of got his determination uh, to dominate in the midfield you know, nearly 100 tests actually uh, from me. Um, he hasn't said that publicly, but, you know, there's, there's a scoop for you. I pretty much uh, taught Conrad everything he knows. Um, so, that's brilliant. you know, that's just another, that's just another, little, another little part of my life, um, you know, that I thought I'd share with the, with the listeners of ECNZ. NZ. <laughs> hey, Paddy, these are uh, obviously weird and wonderful times and not so wonderful times at a lot of places that we're living in at the moment. And, uh, you, you did those fascinating documentaries on, on weed, and particularly the one on pee. And, and it was only just last week that um, Manavadavai, of course, was associated with importing that into the country. He'd plead guilty to that. Well, uh, having been so close to that community, that environment, seeing the repercussions, etc., uh, what was your take on, on that um, pleading guilty side of yeah, things? Yeah, well, because I, 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 you know? I, I think, um, you know, it's, that's a really good question, Smithy. And it's a fall for, from grace, as they say, in the in the trade for, for Manu. But it does go to show the amount of money. I, I think if, if you're going to ask me what I thought, think it shows, you know, the amount of money or easy money that can be made from methamphetamine and its ability um, um, just to seep into anyone's life. You know, it's not a it's not a poor person's drug or. Or, or anything like that. It's it, there's a lot of money to be made for it, and people can very easily get tempted by that. And I think that's what we'll we'll, we'll come to see when we hear more from from Money Butterfly as he as he as he sort of explains why why he did it. But it's just a huge sums of money involved in it, Smithy, and and it's going to be very tempting for people, and it's going to drag in, you know, Money Butterfly, one of our best and brightest New Zealanders, who had, had, had you know had. You would have thought he had all sorts of options, 
So I think we'll see mm. we'll see that you know the the easy money in it, and we'll we'll also see the the you know the other trend that's more relevant to the SENZ listener is the difficulty of transitioning out of professional sport. Okay, um, at the end of your at the at the end of your career, and you know. It, I'd be saying it'll be a cross of both for money. You know, the offer of easy money and and the difficulty of of finding money and finding something really to do with themselves um, after that professional career. Matty, um, it's been an absolute pleasure catching up with you. Uh, I'd love to do so in person at some stage when time and life permits, because uh, we could have a great chat on a number of issues. I, I sympathise with you, sir. I sympathise with you. I'm with you and Barnsley on this. I could see an 8-6 split and everyone would be happy, uh, but not the case. It would have been yeah, so easy, I, mean, I feel. The 8-6 the yeah. the eight, the split that Neil Barnes has put forward um, is the absolute solution to this, or a whole new competition. And, you know, if Bunnings are listening, uh, yesterday uh, I was so angry at the Bunnings NPC that I drove past Bunnings uh, and I drove another 5K to Mitre 10 to buy a barbecue scraper uh, because I'm so upset. I'm so upset with Bunny <laughs> for, for, what they, for what, they've, what they've been involved in doing to us. Uh, and then I went and spent $6.99 on my barbecue scraper. Um, and I'll tell you something else. I scraped better than ever before uh, because I was just so angry and fired up uh, at what they've done to Taranaki. And you you sacrificed ten bucks worth of gas for that as well, you know. That, that's an amazing. <laughs> yeah, did, that's mate, an amazing. I did. And it's self. <laughs> that's a statement. That's a statement, Paddy. Hey, thanks, mate. Honestly, appreciate your time this morning. I know you're a very busy man. Uh, I look forward to catching up with you again in the future. Uh, wonderful. Thank you. Yep. All, all, all good for me. See you, mate. Cheers, Paddy Gower. There. What uh, what a character he is. But man. How good is he at his job? He is uh, one of the very best that this country's got when it comes to digging deep. He's got it done. Speaking of that, digging deep between 12 and 4 this afternoon, we'll be Mark Stafford and we'll be with him very shortly.